Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey everybody, this is Kevin. I'm just <laughs> making a video in the morning. It's it's breakfast time. And uh, I want to just talk about training in my personal experience as well as some of the literature as well. Um, when I was when I was 19, I started resistance training and I was super, super skinny, <clears throat> about um, 160 pounds at 6'1". And not a ripped 160 pounds, like a little bit of pudge and then like no muscle whatsoever. So really out of shape. And then I was just so dedicated to it. I like I wanted to look, I wanted to look different. Within two years, I was about, um, I think I peaked out at, at about 198 pounds within two or three years and uh, leaner than I started. So people say that you, you know, 20 pounds of muscle is like the upper limit for what you might gain in your first year. I think you can gain 20, almost 20 pounds of muscle for one or two years or maybe up almost uh, maybe two and a half years if you're really dedicated. <clears throat> my philosophy towards training was just going to the gym and lift and use willpower so I really admired the old bodybuilders who just through sheer willpower were able to bulk and cut and that's what I did I bulked and cut through sheer willpower and then I trained using sheer willpower uh, and I think that the the intensity with which I went at that was um, <laughs> something I couldn't replicate today because <laughs> my mental health is too uh, is too is too good today. I think in order to train at that intensity, you have to um, <laughs> you you can't quite. You can't be completely balanced. So at the age of 19 and 20, I wasn't. I was just like hungry beyond belief for being as big and strong as possible. And I didn't use any drugs. Um, I ate, you know, one to two dozen egg raw eggs a day. There's witnesses who can who can talk to talk about that and it wasn't very healthy um, you know what you'd hear on the internet is that resistance training is the greatest thing in the world blah 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 um, you know be careful when you start doing it but you didn't hear you heard a lot of extreme stories at least in the in the bro world about um, you know, how hard you should be going. And what you could and should be trying to achieve. 
that were unrealistic. And so I, I chased after those stories, those, those kinds of goals, of these unrealistic goals. And in some ways they're not unrealistic, but the extremes to which you have to put your body in order to get there are, are not particularly healthy. So I have a genetic um, predisposition to, to lower back issues. My mom um, has really bad lower back issues. A total disc degeneration in some of her lumbar discs, like the discs like basically don't even exist anymore and the bone rubs against bone. Um, and I think I inherited some of that. So I think what I ended up doing to my back, especially through like lots of heavy deadlifts and, and, and squats, you know, within the first couple of years, I went from barely being able to squat a hundred pounds all the way to, to repping 350. So three or four or five reps. And I could have gotten much further too, because the, the level of gains I was making in terms of the strength was extremely rapid at that point because it had a lot of muscle. I built a lot of hypertrophy and then I went to the powerlifting team and they like, like I was putting on like 20, 30 pounds a week on my squat um, because it just had so much muscle built up. I just had to learn how to squat correctly and I just, I never actually stuck with the powerlifting for that long. But like by the time I quit after, you know, like a few months of powerlifting, I was repping like 350 for reps and, and continuing to go up really rapidly. Um, yeah, but through a lot of deadlifts and squats, I like over time really messed up my back. Uh, I would train through pain. I would just, whenever I would have pain the next day, I would like let it go away and then try again and then just insist on it like, because you read on the internet, like everybody should be able to squat, everybody should be able to deadlift. If you have pain, like just keep working on it, doing light weights. And so that's what I did for years, even. So, and there was a time that I, um, like after I got really big and strong, I, uh, I graduated and I went, I like, it's a really long story, but I went to like live in the ghetto in Philly um, as an anthropologist, this is a super long story, but I lost a lot of that muscle during that time because I wasn't training. <clears throat> so I lost a lot of that muscle and, um, but then I just had to try to get it back. I've tried to, tried that a few times. It's, it's actually quite, <laughs> quite challenging because there was a lot of muscle. Um, and during these periods, I would really insist on squats and deadlifts. And my form would be perfect. I wouldn't be using heavy weights. It would be really light. But, like, I kept re-injuring my back. And I think over time, I've made it worse. And then the last time I've tried to gain my muscle, and actually I've gained most of my muscle back. I'm similar to what my peak was in college in terms of, like, the way that I look. I uh, have these like very like genetically very broad shoulders and then I mean at least once I start training like my shoulders like start looking like really good 
and then like traps have they, they, this really cool like broad V look that I'm very gifted in as far as my shoulders are concerned. Terrible arms, by the way, like horrible arms. My arms, I can never make my arms look good. They're always skinny, <laughs> relatively skinny. I mean, of course they look good um, at certain angles and they look good like in real life, but like they're not proportional to these like, to these like God shoulders, God traps. So I have like okay-ish arms that I have to like probably train directly more often. And then I have like these God tier traps and shoulders at least in real life, and I think it's actually even starting to pop out in the pictures. Um, it's like very powerful looking shoulders and traps. And um, I'm starting to get to like that point now, again. And it's it's great, I, 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 love, I love being at that point. But it's taken me a, w a ways to get back to that point again, and I, ha I tried different paths. And so I've been in continuing to insist on squats and deadlifts. Um, for, and then, and then other sorts of, uh, of, um, posterior chain work. So things like kettlebell, kettlebell swings, anything that really hits the posterior chain, hip hinging, like hip hinging to me is a, is the most important athletic movement. If you can hip hinge really well, um, that's like a, you're a powerful athlete. Of course, the more I understand about athletics and saying jujitsu, I don't think it's as, that's as important. If you're, if you're a really wrestling heavy jujitsu player, yeah, it's important. Um, but like if you're somebody who controls the top from mount or if you're, um, yeah, mini movements don't actually require that much hip hinging, but I think it's still a good base to have. So I've really focused on hip hinging, but in the course of that, I've <clears throat> undergone a lot of trial and error about how, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm eating and I got one of the lentils kind of stuck in my throat. I've undergone a lot of trial and error about how to, um, to build that really strong hip hinge base. Again, <coughs> and um, in the course of that, I've, I've re-injured my back pretty badly. And I'm at the point now where uh, I can't really do bilateral movements without pretty bad pain the next day. I can do like really high rep deadlifts. So for example, 20 to, 20, 20 to 30 rep deadlifts uh, close to my maximum on the deadlift, I can do that without any uh, back pain the next day, usually, often. I'm I'm kind of exploring that. But I can't do like five rep deadlifts. I can't do, I can't max out. Maybe I can max out once uh, if I'm very careful and I work up pretty quickly. I, I don't wanna like do too many reps on the lower end of the rep range. But um, if I max out I generally would like to avoid maxing out. Maxing out would be a rare thing because there's a very high risk that the next day I'm going to be unable to get out, get out of bed. And that's not something that I want to do. So I've compensated by like really focusing on unilateral movements. Uh, lots of like one-legged deadlifts. Uh, lots of um, like Bulgarian split squats. Lunges. Things like that. 
in order to build those same areas because you're actually not building your back very much whenever you're doing deadlifts. Um, you're actually uh, mostly building like your 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 glutes, your hamstrings, etc. Your erector muscles actually don't hypertrophy very much. Um, your core your core maybe gets some loading from the deadlift, but I probably get like way more loading for for my core from just jujitsu. So I don't I don't really um, I don't think bilateral deadlifts are necessary. I think they're good. But you can definitely do, if you do enough volume, you can definitely get most of the training benefit from unilateral movements. So I've done that in order to avoid the training. So, sorry, the, 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 uh, the damage from training, which I get now because I think, I think my back is, there's, a, there's permanent injuries related to it. I've, I've seen PTs, I've, uh, very intelligent PTs, and we've done rehab stuff, but at just some point, like, you, deadlifts just don't work well for my back. And it's, it didn't used to be that way. Uh, I, I, in the past, like whenever I was first started the lifts, I didn't like have terrible back pain the next day, but it's just the way that my back is now. If I do too many deadlifts or if I do too many like bridges for jujitsu, I go bridge too much. If I get mount and I start bridging a lot, I'm gonna feel the next day, like pretty badly. Maybe less than five bridges is okay, but then when I start going over five bridges in a day, like really hard bridges, um, I'm gonna feel it the next day. And the same goes for actually hip thrust. So if I do really heavy hip thrusters, um, you know, where you put the bar in the crook of your uh, your pelvis, and then you you know, thrust up like what the like what women on Instagram often do, um, that's not also another problem. So those sorts of movements where I'm hinging in that way and I'm hinging really strong and really heavy and bilaterally, that's where I tend to have like really serious issues. And, and I've done it, I, I must have been a hundred times, uh, tried to get it to work and you know, a hundred times the next day, you know, I'm in serious pain and sometimes for, for a week. Uh, and then since I do jujitsu at the same time, I don't really have, I can't afford, <clears throat> I can't afford to be injured the next day. So I just minimize the amount of of injury I get from the weight room and then maximize the amount of injury I get from jujitsu so that it's not like, so then in jujitsu I'm, um, you know, I'm reserving all of that injury potential for the sport as opposed to in the weight room. Cause I can't afford to be out of training for jujitsu cause jujitsu is my sport. It's not weight training, it's jujitsu. So I always, I always train in the weight room in such a way as to not produce injuries that'll keep me out of jujitsu and that's how I do it essentially the other aspect is I focus on like really high reps so I don't focus on uh like power a lot of powerlifting stuff although I love that kind of stuff too and every once in a while I'll do some like powerlifting range movements but mostly I'll just do like really really high reps and that that corresponds to the way my game is the way the kind of strength I use in jujitsu so it, it, it's not a body bodybuilding reps aren't necessarily uh, not useful. They can be if if you do a lot like a lot of um, isometric types of things and lots of tensile types of things. So if I have a five minute match or a ten minute match where I have to hold somebody to me, right for for extended periods of time uh, and then not gas out my arms, necessarily staying in the the one rep range isn't going to be helpful for that. Uh, 
staying in the 20 to 30 rep range might be because then I'm like, I'm using for long periods of time, that strength. It's, um, it's not necessarily just like one pulling motion, but like pull, keep close, or pull, 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 pull over the course of a match. And having that muscular endurance is actually quite useful. So contrary to what like some people say, like that, that bodybuilding hypertrophy isn't, isn't useless. It's not just fake muscle. It's real muscle, especially if you, depends on the way you use it. If you use it in a similar way as you would in the weight room as a bodybuilder would use it, then it can be real muscle. So that's me. Uh, and that's my injury background. And so that's, that's, that's how I look at weight training. I don't look at weight training as some injury-free place where you can just go in and just lift and you're just going to be okay. I don't think that way at all. I think that the weight room can seriously get you badly injured um, if you're not careful. Now, I've already pointed out some basic principles about how I reduce my particular injury risk. The main thing is probably bilateral movements and then not doing like basically powerlifting movements for my legs. Although... I suppose I could explore, um, you know, heavier Bulgarian split squats, etc. I just don't want to push it. I've also had bad knee problems. I used to not be able to like walk upstairs without sharp knee pain. So I fixed that basically by uh, doing a lot of cycling and then doing like a lot of high rep single leg work. And so I don't have any knee problems anymore. So the whole knee, knee over toes guy, I believe that kind of stuff. I believe that using your joints in the right way can actually, uh, I don't know how, what the mechanism is, but it can strengthen them in such a way as to not have any pain anymore. Uh, I think that stuff is completely legit and true. I, I just, I also think though that, um, there are inherent risks to, to, to some kinds of weight training. And, um, there's certain sorts of movements that are more, uh, uh, prone to injury than others. And I think the deadlift is one. I think the deadlift is, 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 is a particularly risky movement. Not to say you can't load it the right way so as to avoid that risk, but I think that certain people are more predisposed to having problems with the deadlift. And then also um, certain kinds of backs, certain kinds of injury history should start, probably stay away from the deadlift, at least the bilateral deadlift. And um, certain, certain people might be predisposed to overloading their back easier. With the deadlift i don't think we have the research to show that any of these things but this is just like a personal belief uh which i think you know it's been my personal experience but I i'm always willing to modify it but that's just like my belief i think the deadlift is a particularly uh is a movement that people <laughs> in my opinion like stay away from heavy deadlifts that's my opinion uh if, if you have a really good reason, a really important reason, if you're a, a, like a, one of my good friends who's, a, who's brilliant with joints and stuff, Bo Hightower, you can see him on YouTube, um, he, he points out that if you have a really good reason, if you're like a football player, if you really need to train that particular movement in particular, if you're a power lifter, um, yeah, maybe, uh, but probably trap bar deadlifts would be better. Uh, but if you don't have a really, really, really good reason, it might be better to avoid that movement because it's, uh, it tends to cause injuries. And there's research to support this. So I, I don't want to get into an argument with anybody about it, but it's just... Um, I, I think the deadlift is a great lift. It's a great lift for building strength. I just think it's also a high-risk movement. And 
and if you think about people who get injured, um, who've gotten injured in high profile injuries online over the last like, couple of years, it's been, everybody's been getting injured by the deadlift. And it's not like they don't know how to li lift the deadlift. It's not like they don't know the mechanics of it. It's not like they don't know how to load it. It's just like, maybe they push themselves too hard. But part of the things about training, again, this goes back to like how I built like a huge amount of muscle within a really short period of time is par part of the way that you get big is by going a little bit too hard, right? Progressive overload, that's what progressive overload is. It's like you're out of your comfort zone and sometimes it's hard to assess when you're too far out of your comfort zone. And I think more importantly, the kind of person who's able to consistently push themselves beyond their comfort zone on a consistent basis um, is going to be the kind of person who's going to sometimes miss the mark on how far they're pushing and whether they're pushing too far. Because it's sort of by definition, you're pushing yourself too far, a little too far beyond comfort. Uh, whenever you're undergoing progressive overload, when you're making yourself uncomfortable. So it's hard for somebody with that kind of personality who, 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 who can do that, who does do that, to always get it right. Because it's sort of part of the personality to not necessarily feel good. If that makes any sense. So it's very easy to overstep that, that boundary and to get into injury risk territory, which is what you see. Like, so there's been multiple people in the powerlifting community over the last year or two who've, who've blown out their backs onto the deadlift um, and been out for like, you know, uh, weeks, months, and, and, and taken literally months, maybe six months, but six months to recover seen thousands spent thousands of dollars on specialists have detailed that journey journey everybody knows what i'm talking about and it's fine it's like many people i like these people personally and i respect them intellectually and it's great but uh look the deadlift is is a, is is a risky lift if you're pushing it um not everybody's gonna blow their back out but there's a risk to that and a lot of people have and i certainly uh I certainly pushed the deadlift too hard early on in my training journey, and I, I, I'm suffering as a result of that for, for, for the rest of my life. I'm never going to have a, a back that works normally. I'm always going to have to titrate the amount of, um, of, uh, of, of back <clears throat> uh, stress that I have. I'm never going to be able to like participate like everybody else in you know, a jiu-jitsu or a wrestling uh, um, practice by like being able to sprawl every, you know, every, every two or three minutes, whenever the coach tells us to, I can't do that because if I do that, I'm not going to be able to get through the practice. Uh, my, my back is inherently like a problem. Even after I've rested for a couple weeks, it's like I can go to a practice and I'm still feeling my back. Like I feel my back, uh, as in like, I feel back discomfort 24 seven. It's never going to go away. Um, and that's owing probably to the way that I did deadlifts, probably going too hard on them. And I, I just think that, uh, they're a great movement. It's a great way to build a huge base of strength. It's awesome. And if you can tolerate them, that's great. It's like, it's a beautiful movement. It's, I would encourage, <laughs> I would encourage anybody who can tolerate them to do it. But I would also say that it's an inherently risky movement. And I would say you should stay away from them unless you, um,
unless you really know that you can tolerate them and you're having no problems with them. If you, and I think probably most people should probably do a trap bar, trap bar deadlift. Start with trap bar deadlift, use trap bar deadlift, don't do anything except the trap bar deadlift. I know that there's people who, who will balk at that and, and, and I'm not gonna respond to those comments. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's safer. And then of course, higher reps. So if you have a really good reason to, um, to be training uh, lower reps, do it. I would say have a professional help you. If you need to really develop a lot of like pure strength and pure power, have a professional at least help you or at least show what your form is on, on, on the internet. But I don't even know if that's necessarily gonna help. One of the things is you need to definitely avoid training through pain, okay? I think training through pain is, is a really bad idea. And then if you're having persistent pain, you should switch your lifts. You shouldn't be doing that lift anymore for a while. You should take time off from that lift. Um, and then if you're having the similar kinds of pain with other lifts, you should take time off those lifts. You should find a, a lift that you don't, doesn't cause you pain and it should be a, a, an alert signal. And you should immediately do that. And, and I think I might have saved myself some uh, chronic injury if I had done that. And that would be the other thing that I would do. Now, there's this paper, uh, Meta-Analysis in the British Journal of Sports Medicine by ASA. People cite it a lot for, for why resistance training is safe. It's perfectly okay compared to other modalities. I want to point out a few things. First of all, anytime you read something on the internet, especially if it really confirms your biases, and tells you, oh, you're right about something, you're right to be doing resistance training, it's completely safe, etc. And somebody's using that in order to persuade you, and it seems like a, a slam dunk. Anytime that happens, never believe that. Never believe that story, never believe that paper, never believe, cause, cause almost always, I'll tell you, almost always whenever I've believed those kinds of stories, and I've used those kinds of stories in order to support certain things that I do or don't do. It's almost always too good to be true. Almost always without, with like so rare exceptions. It's all, the story is almost way more complicated, almost always way more complicated than it's presented as being, okay? So with Asa in particular, there's two really important caveats. I mean, there's a lot of important caveats and some, there's many different problems with the paper, but the, 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 the two, two main caveats to this is first caveat an injury in ASA is, is defined as, uh, something that prevents somebody from training. Okay. So they compare say soccer and or running, right. With weightlifting. Okay. What are the sorts of injuries that are going to cause you to be unable to return to weightlifting versus those are going to be unable to return to running or playing soccer? Here's the thing about weightlifting and especially bodybuilding. You can always work around your injuries in bodybuilding. It's so easy to work around injuries, even back injuries. I can go to the gym still, right? And train. I can find something I can still do most of the time, unless I'm just like unable to walk, which is rare, right? Most of the time you, you can find something to do. So I mess up my back, but I can still do 
especially chest supported rows, right? I can still do bench press, like a light bench press, especially if I don't have to arch my back or anything like that, or especially if the back injury is like not a big deal. I can still train these movements and have, have minimal pain. It's not gonna impair me to actually uh, do those movements. Um, or if I, I bump, I've messed up my shoulder, I can still curl. I can still do tricep extensions, maybe with some minimal pain. I can still do deadlifts, right? Especially if it's you know a certain kind of shoulder injury. So, so what we're seeing in that case is that often when you're injured in bodybuilding or in, in any kind of weightlifting, you can often work around that injury, and usually you can. Contrast this to soccer or running. If you get if you get injured running, like some sort of overuse injury, say with your with your uh, you get plantar fasciitis, for example, or you get some sort of Achilles injury or some sort of foot injury or a knee injury or hip injury. All of those injuries are going to impair you and impede you from training. <laughs> There's not a single one of those injuries that's that that it would it would feel like a good idea to keep running through that you're not going to make worse over time pretty quickly. You're going to have to take a break and you're going to have to either stop running at all or like do something else like the elliptical or something. Maybe you can get some time in on that or you can row or you can do cycling or swimming, but you're gonna have to actually switch your modality completely, which is very different from weight training, okay? So the kinds of things that, uh, the injuries that you get in running by nature of the sport itself will stop you from training. And the very things that you get in weightlifting and bodybuilding, by nature, the sport itself will not stop you from weightlifting and bodybuilding. So there's an inherent bias towards uh, seeing more injuries in soccer and running, for example, than in weightlifting. And it's not because of the nature of the injuries that's different. The, the injuries could be the exact same. If you get plantar fasciitis in bodybuilding, if you could get that, um, you'd be able to train through that, bro. Who cares? Like, just train through that. And as you just as like, and also plantar fasciitis is probably not gonna be made worse by just like walking around, especially if it's a mild form or, uh, or doing certain like upper body movements. Like you're not gonna have any problem. Or if you have some sort of like ankle injury or anything, like train through that stuff. I've squatted with ankle injuries, right? Because the ankle, I twisted my ankle doing something else or I, I, I dropped a weight on something. It, it in those cases, I can still go to the gym, but you cannot do that in running and soccer. That's the difference there. The, the, the sport itself biases what we consider an injury because since, since, since uh, bodybuilding is so simple and not complex and doesn't involve the very things that you often get injured, you can train around them, you're dramatically biasing what an injury is versus what an injury isn't in bodybuilding versus those other sports. So if you cite Asa to say, Asa et al to say that bodybuilding produces less injury than say soccer or running, like far less injury, there's a methodological problem inherent to that. The same level of injuries, the same severity of injuries are not gonna be counted as injuries in bodybuilding versus soccer or running, according to Asa et al. The same exact injuries. Right, because you can train around them in bodybuilding, but you can't train around them in soccer or swimming. That's the first bias in Asa et al. That's that's why it's a misleading paper to cite, and that's why whenever you hear bros on the internet citing it in like this 
thoughtless way. Oh, bodybuilding doesn't, or resistance training doesn't cause injuries compared to other, you know, sports or whatever. It, it's like, it's totally misleading. The second thing about Asa et al. is, um, uh, uh, there's another point I had. Oh yeah, the way that they define, and this is related, but it's not exactly the same point, the way that they define injury as being unable to start your sport again, like unable to train, is very conservative. Because again, but this is related to that issue, right? Because in bodybuilding, you can get injured in all sorts of different ways without necessarily needing to take time off, right? And um, it's not really defining injury in such a way that we would normally define it as uh, like, like, hey, I, I hurt my arm, I hurt my shoulder, or a heavy shoulder injury, injury. For example, my back injury would never be defined, according to Asa et al., as a real injury at, at its current moment. But I, I, I literally, um, it, it's a chronic injury that I literally cannot train through. I have to completely change the way that I'm training, but it's not, it's not like considered a chronic injury according to, to Asa, it's not considered, I'm not considered injured, okay? So Asa et al. dramatically underrepresents the amount of injuries and then in a biased manner that biases counting things as an injury in say soccer or running or other sports, that it's not gonna count as in, an injury in bodybuilding, even though they're the same severity of injuries. Right? So it's a very biased thing to be citing to say that bodybuilding and resistance training don't cause injuries. They do. It, like everybody's, Everybody who's a powerlifter is getting injured all the time <laughs> in powerlifting. That's what the evidence seems to say constantly. So it's an injury. It's like you can cite Asa et al to say it's not, but it's an injury. People are getting injured all the time. Uh, powerlifting is a very injury prone sport. It's, it has a lot of wear and tear on the body. People are dropping out of powerlifting all the time because they're constantly getting injured. That's like the nature of that sport. And if you're saying people are only getting injured like once or four times per thousand hours of training, you're full, you're full of it. It's like, go, go, go be on the powerlifting team for a while. You understand. And that's, that's all I have to say. And so, you know, people are going to be mad about this. They're going to say, I'm discouraging people from training. Nah, I'm going to gain another, you know, 20 pounds of muscle. I'm really interested and excited about bodybuilding right now. But I also know that it has inherent risks. And these can be mitigated through smart strategies of using lighter weight and higher reps, of focusing on bilateral lower body training, especially if you, if you, if you can't tolerate. Uh, and don't push to it, in my opinion. But... You can listen to other experts. I mean, I'm not an expert, but you can listen to other people with their opinions. Maybe they can f figure out how to make you uh, able to do squats and deadlifts in a way that's pain-free and you don't ha have a risk of getting injured. If you can find that, great. But if you want to just like minimize your injury altogether, uh, unilateral movements uh, are, are great. Um, and then you can definitely just supplement your bilateral movements with unilateral movements more often. Stay away from powerlifting rep ranges unless you, again, need to, in which case you should probably have a coach, in my opinion. Um, and this is just like, this represents my opinion, my time do having done uh, weightlifting. It's, there's no medical advice here. I, this is not 
anything I learned in med school. This is just what I learned in the gym and what I learned in uh, reading papers and in uh, making, making a lot of mistakes. So I'm not saying that people need to not deadlift or squat. They can deadlift or squat. I'm just saying, um, man, the rate of injury is not low. And, and, and a lot of people get injured over time, even these elite people or sub elite people that you see in the internet, uh, showing that they're super strong and super jacked. A lot of them are injured a lot <laughs> and it just happens. And it's just like, it's, it's part of the game. It's part of any sport and bodybuilding is a sport. Uh, powerlifting is a sport, especially powerlifting. And, uh, it's part of the game. There's ways to minimize it. Go try those ways. Um, let me know what you think about it, but, uh, it's not, you're not really going to change my mind. Cause I've, I've been in this, doing this for 20 years. It's like, nobody's really going to change my mind about this. Uh, I've experienced this stuff and I've seen countless people experience it. And, uh, I'm not telling people not to lift. I'm just saying like, you need to be careful. And, and I, and the, the final thing is I would say is I wish somebody had been really honest with me about this and really open with me and like very, I wish somebody had like grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me and stared me in the eyes and said, Kevin, you need to train X, Y, and Z way. And it's a really serious issue and don't play around with this. I wish somebody had said that to me and then like watched me and made sure I had, I had not been an idiot with training because it probably would have saved me on a lot of injuries in the long term, and maybe even my back would be in better shape now than it was. I'm pretty sure it would be, because I wouldn't have done so many dumb things. And but what we're, what we're getting online is the opposite. We're getting bros who are saying, oh, don't worry, rate of injury is really low, don't worry about it, just get in and lift, get in the gym and lift, just lift something. I think it's crazy. It's like, that's not, that doesn't reflect reality. That's not what weightlifting and bodybuilding is about as far as injury is concerned. Um, bodybuilding, weightlifting, powerlifting is cool. I like it. I think it's great. But it's not a, 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 an injury risk-free zone. And I think a lot of people who are saying that it is are trying to make money. They're not trying to say, speak the truth. Or they have an ideology similar to a lot of the ideologies you see online where they're just trying to promote one specific idea because they're so excited about it. And they think everybody should be doing it and they're not willing to uh, have that discussion about risk, especially once you get to like the higher levels of, of, of training and, and, and really pushing it to the limit, um, which is what they do and what they exemplify and what they encourage other people to do. And I think that we need to understand what the potential risks are of, of pushing it to that level. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money.